Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Gen Lockdown right here on Rooster Team Radio. I am one of the members of the Gen Lockdown program. I'm the Internet's Mark Budonica, joined as always by Megan Salinas. Hey everybody, it's your favorite mad scientist here. Katie Cullen. I didn't know we were going to come up with clever intros. <laughs> and Stacey Shuttleworth. I feel similarly disillusioned. I'm just here. <laughs> well, Stacy, we're walkers. <laughs> All right. Oh no! Does that make Megan Razzle or me Razzle? Damn it! Oh anyway. no! Uh oh! <laughs> uh oh! Uh, well, oh, welcome into the show, everybody. This is going to be our deep dive program relating to Rooster Teeth's newest hit show, and I think I could say hit, Genlock. Uh, and in order to get things started, I just want to hear everybody's first impressions on episode one, the pilot. Let's start with Katie. This honestly struck me as a Gundam-style show, and it has been a very long time since I've had a Gundam show in my life. It's it's been absolutely incredible on first watch and on second watch. The episode length, the art style, the acting, the just this show blew me away to the point where I am quite obviously having trouble finding the words to describe it. <laughs> uh, what did you think, Stace? Man, so I knew that the show was going to be amazing just from the amount of buildup and the love that went into getting everyone ready for this show. But as someone who's generally not like mechs are cool, but it hasn't been my thing growing up. I'm more on the fantasy side of things. This was amazing. <laughs> like the first episode, like went above and beyond to just blow my mind. Well, do, damn, <laughs> Megan, can you get any more glowing than that? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try because um, for me, a lot of times my <laughs> uh, my dad always had a little bit of a saying. He he's always like, whenever we go to anything, like we saw Wicked years ago, and the way the way he th- goes into things, he always goes, "I keep my expectations low, and that way I'm never disappointed." Well. Honestly, I had pretty high expectations for Genlock, and it exceeded them. And it's very, very rare uh, for me that anything lives up to the hype these days because I've I've been burned before. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just kind of have to um, reiterate that same sentiment. It feels so good to have a show like this um, kind of back in my uh, viewing rotation because it's been a long time since I've seen a Gundam series uh, you know, and watched it regularly. And um, I know I, I do like mech shows. I'm a big Transformers fan and I'm a big Gundam fan. But like this feels like something both familiar and wholly new. And I'm super impressed with the job that Rooster Teeth did. Uh, I I cannot wait to see what this crew has in store for us this season. What do you think, Mark? I, I, I know I'm in the minority in terms of I've only watched episode one. I had a very ridiculously busy weekend that involved some last minute travel. But I, Megan, when you said it feels a little familiar, it feels a little new to me. There's a little bit too familiar for me so far, so far. And I'm... The way that the show has been presented in promotional material and the certain scenes that we got to see beforehand, maybe that was a little bit too much for me because there were certain expectations that were set up by like the cast announcements all the way up to the final trailer. And even when the 
the and and I suppose we can we can transition it into now when they revealed the intro right after the most recent or the I'd say the final trailer it changed everything for me because I was feeling the vibe that the trailer presented it was more of a a hip hop sort of a feeling to the music and the setup and then when we got to the show it was this kind of standard anime intro song i love the 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 animation is beautiful and but the the song it like the the intro doesn't grab me as much as that final trailer grabbed me and the music is very cinematic and and isn't as poppy as like it it seemed like they were trying to present two different shows and the one that we got wasn't the one, not not necessarily that it wasn't the one that they were advertising, but they were trying to go after more of a mainstream crowd. And it seemed like they, at least to me, they pulled the rug out at the last second to go, no, this is the show. So long story short, it seemed, I, I just need to get used to the world that they actually want me to see. So I'm, I'm excited. And I liked the, for the first episode, I watched it a couple of times. Once we got to the four years later part was when I started going, getting a little bit more interested because we started to learn about what the union was doing, what the, the Vanguard was doing a little bit more about the tech, a little bit more here and there. And, and that, that stuff, the, the technological stuff is what I think will be my hook, but I, I regardless, I'm, I'm excited that we are talking about this show. Did anybody have any other thoughts about, the intro before we get i know that it's technically at the end of the episode but it was the first piece of content that we got uh, proper uh starting with stacy what did you think of the intro uh, so i hadn't watched it before i watched the episode mm. so i'm i really enjoyed the intro as far as how engaging it was um but i get i get how you feel about it being a little presented a little differently than how the first episode was set up yeah. Uh, but I don't know. The intro hooked me as far as it went. I thought seeing it for the first time at the end of that episode maybe made it fit in a little easier to me too, um, because we had kind of transitioned to there by the end of the episode. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes sense. Um, what about you, Megan? What did you think? Uh, so I'm with Stacy. I actually avoided watching. Like I saw it popping up on social media, and I saw it pop up on YouTube, and I immediately went no. <laughs> no, not until I get to watch it, um, because I was worried that the intro was going to give something away, and so I, I waited to watch it. And I, I do agree with Stacy that like it felt like a really like having waited to watch it, it felt like a really good transition from like where the episode leaves off, like right into the opening. Um, so I thought that was really cool, and. I, I, I know, Mark, you, you were saying you had some reservations about it because of the opening, but I'm such a sucker for color-coded, <laughs> for color-coded pilots where every, you know, every pilot gets their own distinguishing color. It makes me, it's very reminiscent of Sentai shows. It's reminiscent of Voltron. So if you present me with a, a mech series where every pilot gets their own individual color for their own individual robot, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to grab the popcorn and I'm going to sit down ready for the next episode. Mark, I think you're going to remain the odd man out on this one because I also did not watch the intro until I watched oh. the episode. And I 
actually really like the way that this was set up because at the beginning of this episode, we have no intro, we have no nothing like that. We go straight into the world. We're presented with the stakes. We're presented with this flat-out horrifying technology and combat techniques that the Union uses and evidently deploys on civilians. Oh my god. So we start really dark, I think, to impress the stakes on the audience to kind of get us to throw us headfirst into this is the world, this is the war, this is what our characters are doing, these are the odds and the menace that they are facing. And so to me, I'm glad I didn't see the intro beforehand because, yeah, that does kind of throw it. But putting it at the end there when... It fits a little better. It's a better segue. We've ended on kind of a terrible joke, and we're going to go into this poppy opening now that tells us a little bit more about Chase's situation and the characters that we're going to meet and the robots. Like, again, it it, it eases into that intro. So, Well, it, it's something that Rooster Teeth has been doing for a while. Ruby does it at the beginning of every season. They they do the entire first episode and end with the intro. But I don't know if they've released a Ruby intro before a season begins. Nope. I, and I can't remember. And I, I, if only I had anything in front of me, like a, a library of Alexandria Google. I don't know. I like, can't think of like anything. Like a, a box where you could ask it a question and it would somehow answer you. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Siri, shut up. Shut up. I'm not talking to you. So uh, <laughs> It's moving, Google. Uh, moving on from there, actually, Katie, since you brought it up, I I wanted to mention we, we got to s- dive headfirst into the... Actually, no. No. That's that's going a little ahead of things. We meet... Uh, we see a couple of pieces of technology instantly. We see what the entertainment world is like and sort of the evolution of Twitch with Driana playing some sort of a, a body mapping singing game where it's not she's she's performing but her actual voice is it being projected out and uh, and we meet mrs chase what uh, what did y'all think of uh julian's family i adored them like uh <laughs> now i i did see part of this sequence um, you know unlike the the opening i actually did dive into when they released part of this scene um, for viewing, so I, I I knew where the the scene was going in terms of like I knew that there was they were holograms. That being said, oh my goodness, I love his mom and I love his little sister, and like <laughs> I'm really sad that things don't really work out because I really want to see more interactions between his little sister and Miranda. Like I really want to see them getting up on Chase. That that was <laughs> that was how I I left the scene. I was like no. I need all of these people in the same room together. And I'm sure Julian feels the same way. I mean, they might still be alive. We don't know. We can only hope. It's foreshadowing. Well, th- th- um, Katie, what were your thoughts on the scene? I thought it was adorable. I loved the cookie story. Saw the punchline coming, still absolutely adored it. So so much of this is in the delivery. I did love that depending on which character we were focusing on, the apartment changed. Like, whatever holographic projection, whatever was in their contacts or in their eyes or however that works, changed their view of the apartment. Like, his sister had this little kind of mascot doll chilling behind her and everything was in shades of purple and mom liked things a little more classical. Like, it it was great to see all of that. I really did appreciate that. 
And I loved the details of, like, I grew up military. So one of the first things I cottoned onto when they were panning around the inside of the apartment was the shadow box on the wall with the American flag in it. Because that's the immediate, someone in the family either is or was in the service. Like, that, that is a bit of shorthand that I picked up immediately, and I appreciate that, one, they included it, and two, they followed up on it without making it seem heavy-handed. So, uh, I totally agree with Katie as far as I love how we were introduced to the scope of the technology in such kind of a natural way with these family interactions. Uh, and then, so I absolutely adored the authenticity of their little family. And just, that, you know, as a teenage girl, you have your priorities straight. Becoming a pop star, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and having the cool technology to make your apartment look however you want it. When, when can I have that? Seriously, oh man, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you could redecorate on a whim. Uh, we, and we're we're all siblings here, so seeing the sibling interaction between Driana and Julian was very, very legitimate and very natural. Oh yeah. Their last words to each other were just kind of that nod, like Aww. oh. Yeah, they didn't want to say that they loved each other, but that's that. Someone's gonna have some regrets. I wanted to pose a question, everybody. Megan, you brought up Super Sentai and how everything is color-coded. Driana is pretty purple. Like, more so, like, favorite, my, oh, my favorite color is purple, so I'm, I'm wearing a purple shirt. But everything about her seems purple with the military background and four years in between and with everything that happened with Julian do you think we're going to see Driana in the in the service joining the fight and possibly piloting one of our new mechs? Uh, what do you what do you think about that, Stacy? Oh man, I mean, I'll take it if that means that she's she's alive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That works. Uh, can I be Can I be honest for a moment? <laughs> Please. Uh, when Chase is plane went down i kind of thought for a minute that that's where their show was going <laughs> um for a minute i thought they had pulled a scream on us like i like in the back of my mind i knew i was like no michael b jordan has been way too invested in this like there's no way that they killed him killed him but there was a solid couple minutes where i'm like well, maybe they pulled a Drew Barrymore from Scream. Spoilers for Scream, I guess. Um, where, <laughs> like, they killed off Michael B. Jordan, and uh, his sister was going to come in and and take his place as the main character, which I'm not going to lie, Mark, now that you've pointed out um, how much they focus on, you know, on color and how brightly the colors around her were, I, like... And uh, it makes me wonder, yeah, I, I could definitely see a scenario where later on down the road, like, they, there is a purple, there is a purple mech pilot here, as we see in the intro. What if something happens to that person and they need somebody to step in uh, and we get our four-year time skip so Julian's little sister would be older in this scenario? So I'm like, I, I kind of wouldn't hate that like i think it'd be really cool to see these siblings on a team together see i kind of want to dig into that but i can't do it without talking about the second episode because that's where a lot of my theory building and world building and whatnot comes from so i'm gonna need to put a pin in my opinion of that there 
That said, from what little we saw of her in the intro, I kind of love Sombra, our purple mech pilot, and would like to keep her. Yeah, they they look like a very interesting addition to the team. Are, and it's it's weird to see so many how how human like the mechs are. You don't get that type of fluidity of motion if you're just a pilot in a cockpit. So I think we have the opportunities to see some really cool things that the medium has never seen before. Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, we've met our, our family, and now we're getting into the the meat. Well, I, I think the, I'd say the, the appetizer of the episode, which is the Union's first attack. And uh, Katie, I think you brought this up. We, we have no idea, after the first episode, what the Union wants, because they're killing civilians openly they're taking down transports of completely innocent people but just because that they don't follow along their cause as we saw with the one person with the phone they they're worth killing so i I, i'm i wonder what everybody and and i know everybody has seen the second episode but uh megan i'll start with you what does the union want that Mark is what I've been asking myself ever since I sat down to watch the episode, <laughs> or even more so since they started releasing the trailers. Um, because I, I, and talking about that, there's a, you know, the voiceover in the trailers, which was, this is not a skirmish. This is not a terrorist attack. This is how the war begins. And so immediately that made me start to question, well, okay, who is this group called the Union? Why, uh, you know, what what sort of what sort of political agenda do they represent and again looking at this episode and seeing them attack civilians openly it makes me go yeah what are what are they trying to achieve that would make them jump to such extreme measures because in really uh, not to go back to Gundam series all the time, but Gundam series, you know, they are series about war, but they're also really good about sort of portraying both points of view. You've got the point of view of people from, usually, the planet Earth and then people from the space colonies. And it's really good about humanizing both sides. So I'm looking at this attack and seeing them attack innocent people without remorse. And it makes me ask a lot of questions of, what kind of world is this where this group of people, uh, you know, however big they are, are driven to this extreme? And it makes me really want the World Bible to see sort of what kind of political climate both the Vanguard and the Union sort of exist in. I'm going to do a little bit of a Resident Evil takeoff here and go a uh, total global saturation because... That seems like that's what this is, especially with the comments about holding the line and the fact that the Union line is getting even closer to where the Anvil is, which, to my mind, is somewhere in the Rockies because that's where NORAD is current day. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if the Union is already pretty dang big and is straight up trying to take over the world. And if we're not looking at our last holdout for, well, not necessarily humanity, but non-union space. And again, the fact that they are, we, we saw the weaponized nanotech and we saw a scene of a park covered in black ash. 
with the swing still swinging slightly, which makes me think that they deployed this on children. So this to me does not seem like a group that would care about women, children, the elderly, civilians, etc. More to the point of, you resist us, you're done. So this seems bad. I want to come back to that point in a second, but Stacy, what what do you think about the union and what their possible motivations are? I mean, it's kind of hard to tell at this point, especially since they are extremely destructive in the way that they are moving through the territory and how they are yeah, indiscriminately going after people who are not on their side. So what does it mean to be on their side then? Is it just unwavering loyalty to whatever the people at the top want? And it doesn't matter, you know, there's no such thing as a civilian in that case. Uh, but they're also not preserving anything. Like Katie mentioned about the the destruction of the park. They went through and just annihilated it. Uh, so we've got this weird dichotomy set up. where, And we don't know much about the Vanguard either, but they're out there protecting people. Yeah, and, and they set it up. There's a great way where you can instantly, if you want to set up a villain, you make them attack the innocents and having the scene with the mother getting her baby onto the transport right after you see another transport get hit by a spider tank, you're instantly just like, oh, I don't like them. I don't like them at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I I highly doubt that the union is some sort of group of agro Canadians coming down from the north, but who knows? We'll, we'll I guess we'll find out someday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do want to point out that, um, you know, a part of what's said in that rousing speech is they're going out to New York is that um, they the Vanguard made a promise to the people. So it's entirely possible that the union was terrorizing people for years and years with whatever agenda they have, that they were terrorizing people and that the Vanguard was created to protect against that or it could be vice versa maybe maybe the world that existed before the union was a little bit more totalitarian than we're initially seeing and that this was sort of i don't i don't want to make too many comparisons to ruby because they're two very different shows but maybe this was a white fang scenario where you know it started off as a group of resistors became a terrorist group and now they're just willing to go to any extremes to get what they want And I'm looking at this from a slightly more historical perspective. If you look at Russia, we had the revolution against the Tsar, and we turned to communism and Stalin, which was just as terrible in completely different ways. So this might be, we might have had that totalitarian regime, the union was the pushback against it, and then the union lived long enough to see itself become the villain. Mayhaps, mayhaps. I'm just interested, speaking of referring to history, The fact that this group in a future United States is calling themselves the Union, referencing way back to the Civil War, and they're trying to create this, it seems like they're trying to create this idea of we're we're the party of the, the true, quote, Americans, the true world power, the true superpower, but when you got creepy spider bots and you got this... Uh, this bio weapon of these nanobots attacking any sort of biological material and degrading it to dust again, not to go back to Ruby, but to, <laughs> to, to get these types of weapons when you're, when you're like, no nah, man, we're the good guys. 
are we the good guys? And now it's red versus blue. Like we've got skulls on our heads and we've got giant spider tanks. Are we the baddies? I love those spider tanks though. Like inherently evil, but my God, the animation and the rigging on those is phenomenal. All of the animation is just next level and getting used to it i think will will take a little bit because of the sort of half frame drop here and there but it's not inherently it it's something new it's something fresh and the animation team ha- i know has been working hard long hours to make sure that we get this series on time and it's absolutely absolutely phenomenal speaking of the one of the things that makes it phenomenal is the action this is an action series so we get to see everything deployed we get to see our spider uh, our spider tanks we get to see uh where are they our our striders uh be deployed downtown but then we also get to see the interceptors with our which are these quad fan jets that chases a or that julian chases a uh, a pilot of and razzle voiced by Lindsay jones is also voiced by albeit for not very long we uh we got to see this amazing chase sequence between these drones and the the interceptors and then we got the striders on the ground and it was this sort of non-stop non-stop thrill ride of an action scene what 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 did we think y'all uh I'll, i'll start with katie on this one this was absolutely breathtaking. I spent a good amount of that scene going, I want to know the design process for the, those planes. I want to know the schematics. I want to know how they move. I, I think at one point I was talking about, and those perfect maneuvers and how they just stop. And what did they, what did they put in the jets to negate the G-forces that that sudden stop and turn would have put on the pilot's body? Like, I grew up in the Air Force and sometimes it shows. But these were... Everything was beautiful. I want to know more about that giant union bot that looks like a trilobite with giraffe legs. I want to know more about the drones and this horrifying nanotech that they have. Because evidently, the union has weaponized nanotech is a new thing because we got that dialogue bit about what's that cloud? That's no cloud. It's... It's a space station. Yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's a space station made of many, many tiny things that will murder it. You know, burn it at the countryside, burn it at the peasants. That's no cloud. That's a moon. Wait. Wait no. a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, it's not. Now we're in Ruby where the moon is turned into a cloud because it's half destroyed. You you mentioned the, the giant union walkers. I was getting a vibe of... Oh god, and I totally blanked. What's what's the game, Stacy? Oh, um, Horizon Zero uh, Dawn. Horizon, I yeah. Of. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The they have the satellite beacons that are like giant mechanized giraffes, and uh, it 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 brought me back into that world to imagine uh, what that th- led to that uh, that ev- the event that ended up killing that world and letting the machines take over, et cetera, et cetera. But eh, the technology was amazing. What did you think of this fight, Stacy? The fight, so. Honestly, watching them wind through the buildings was probably one of the most like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are they doing here moments for me. Uh, it was so well animated. I mean, the entire episode was so well animated, but this sequence in particular. Uh, and this was listed to you about the fights themselves, but something I really appreciated was their constant dedication to actually like showing the process of deploying and pulling back they're different machines and they're different. Uh, I mean, w- especially with the the walkers. I don't know. 
that struck me as a, a nice little detail that I liked. It's the small things that you've got to really pay attention to, and it helps in the future when you just see stuff show up. You know how easy or difficult it is to get things in and out of a battle situation. It's a very important transition to see. You're, you're totally on the mark on that one. That's part of why it felt like a Gundam series to me, honestly, because it's usually Gundam series that pay a lot of attention to battle tactics and the abilities of their equipment and how things are deployed and strategy. And it's, that's, it's not just the fact that we have giant mechs that make it feel like Gundam. It's the fact that it's a war story where all these details are taken into account and shown to the audience that make it feel like a good, solemn Gundam series. It, I think they're they're creating the expectation, like you mentioned, Katie, with it, that you want to know how all of this stuff works. So now because of our history with Voltron or what have you, Gundam, where they at least kind of explain, even if it's an alien technology and alien words, alien languages, they still try to allow you to understand how the machines operate in order to understand when they're really under pressure. And it, it seems like <clears throat> I don't think we'll get too much on the interceptors because now that we are moving on to the, the robots, the, like the proper mechs, the, the piloted, the single piloted mechs that Julian and Yasmin are, and the others are piloting. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get that information unless we see Driana joining the core and things like that. Uh, Megan, what did you think of this ridiculous action sequence? In all honesty, the bit with the interceptors was probably my favorite aspect of this episode. In a in a stellar in a stellar episode with a lot of really fantastic animation in it, this sequence was hands down my favorite thing in the entire episode. Even when the mechs showed up, I'm like, "This is really cool." But the the interceptor sequence absolutely blew me away. Just the way they moved, the way the camera followed them through the city, even just going through the layout of the city. I, I was just looking at it going like, oh, look at the asset creation. And it, it took. It was very evident that a lot of time and a lot of thought went into creating the interceptors, figuring out how they move, and figuring out how to shoot them in a way that was interesting and engaging and making you sit on the edge of your seat. And that's, to me, exactly what this sequence did. It made me sit on the edge of my seat. And if that's true, Mark, if we're not going to be seeing much of these anymore, that's kind of a shame because they were super impressive. However, I totally understand because this is mech-focused. Um, but I do hope we get more interceptor sequences uh, later on down the line because it was such a treat. It was a visual feast. Well, you know, the Union figured out a good way to shoot them with missiles. How dare you? <laughs> I think it's it's less of a not going to see them again and more of a not going to focus on how their tech works because we have some sort of a knowledge of modern jet fighters today we don't necessarily need to be explained how, what what sort of things they can do. I think this, seeing them in peak performance with both Razzle and Julian, let us know sort of the full capabilities of what they can do. So we, we're not going to get like a, when you pilot your interceptor, this is what you need to do. <laughs> I, 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 less of that. Less of that and more of just, 
let's focus on the foreign technology. What makes the Striders different from a Mantis in Halo or any sort of an other a different walker that anybody might have any sort of a connection with? That that's more of, of what I think. Not like, oh no, no more no more interceptors. Though they can pull a Star Wars and do well. Where we don't we have finite resources. We're not we don't have an infinite amount of jets. We that maybe the that battle was the last use of interceptors because they don't have any more. Because oh, no. maybe the Union took down a stockyard or something like that. Who knows? We never found out where units three and four went because Razzle and Chase were one and two and at the beginning of that battle it was three and four peel off and take care of XYZ and Theta. Like this they we probably don't know where they went, so maybe they just have two planes left. No, they did. I'm with Mark on that one, unfortunately. With with how quick the rest of the squadron got shot down by the drones, I I highly but like if if there are two better quote unquote better pilots than Razzle and Julian and they survived, we should have seen them. <laughs> no, I just say luckier or not as important to the plot. The camera follows Julian and Miranda. Now I'm with you, Mark. They're dead now. <laughs> Let's move on to our our time skip. And this is where I think the the show kicks even further into high gear. We are we are met with Dr. Weller. Did did Dr. Weller's robot get a name? They name him in the next episode. Okay. So he does have a name. I'm excited to talk about him there. But we meet Dr. Weller, we meet Yasmin Madrani, and uh, they oh they're they're welcomed in by Miranda, who is Still mourning the loss of Julian, who has presumably died saving at least some of New York City. And and now that we're we're post post calamity Miranda or maybe pre calamity Miranda, um, I wanna <laughs> know what everybody thinks of her as a character. I'll start with Megan this time. Um well uh first of all, before before I got to sit down and watch the episode, I saw a bit of fan art that um you know, our good friend Sinisai on Twitter, she posted of Miranda and, you know, she wrote, she's too good for all of us uh, in reference to that line in the opening sequence. And having watched this episode, I can definitely confirm, yes, she's too good for all of us. Um, I really like the idea of uh, Chase and Miranda's relationship being a key focus of this series. Because, but, like, I, I'm also concerned because, like, she's not a mech pilot, as far as we can tell. So I'm, I'm, I just hope she doesn't get pushed off to the side. Um, that being said, I don't think that's going to happen because we spend a good chunk of this episode with her in her shoes, focusing on how she's feeling and how she's getting by. And you can tell she's a super strong person, um emotionally speaking, um, because she's just, even though she's obviously still mourning Julian, like, she she has to pick up and persevere, and even though things are hopeless and she's not, she's not delusional about that fact either, you know, she, she straight up says, we've managed to hold the line, and that's about it. Like, she, but at the same time, she's not cynical. It's like, there's a job to be done, and she's going to do it. Um, and, you know, even if she has to put her life on the line and, to get it done, just like Julian did. 
Uh, that's that's just a fact that she accepts. So I really like seeing where we could go with this character because, again, the the end of the episode it makes me go, oh, okay, like there's obviously going to be a bit of interpersonal drama going on. But I I can't wait to see where she goes in particular because I feel like her and Julian are at the end of the day going to be the heart of this show. I I think Miranda even more so is going to be the straight up heart of the show just with all of the emotional stuff that we stick with her for as opposed to like I'm I'm sure that everybody's going to have their emotional ups and downs but a lot of this stuff seems to be happening to or at least from the the perspectives that they give us it's Miranda is get, is the one that has to react to all of this and continue living. Uh, and not again, not to bring it back to Ruby, but let's just live day by day. Um, <laughs> Katie, what are uh, what are your thoughts on on Ms. Miranda? She, oh my God, Sinisai was right. She's too good for all of us. That said, I do like that we are keeping focus on a character who it looks like is not going to be one of our color coded mech pilots because. When you get your main team, it is so, so easy to be like, here's our Power Rangers, here's our Zordon, no one else matters. And so it's nice to see that we're still keeping the focus on, here is our Walker crew, here is Magus, here is the Colonel, here are all of these people who, again, aren't in the fancy robots, but still very much matter to the anvil, to the plot, to the story overall, and to each other. So I appreciate that they're doing that. I appreciate that they're keeping it grounded like that, instead of just being, again, here's our rangers, here's our Zordon, let's go. And Miranda is an incredible person. And I think that the fact that we can see her continue on, but we also have the last moment we have before that time skip is her just very quietly in her shut down mech crying. Get you a woman who can do all of it, I think. <laughs> she's she's wonderful. She is what we mean when we say well-rounded female character. And I love her mm-hmm. very much. Yeah. And not to not to deviate too much, but how great is it? Speaking of Migas, how great is it that Rainbow Six Siege is still doing great after like fifty years? <laughs> it's still such a successful game that people are playing it, and it's amazing. Like congratulations to Ubisoft for that. Proud of them. Very proud of them. <laughs> Stacy, what did you think? Uh, what do you think of Miranda? I was utterly charmed by her from the very first like time we met her. And I think that it's going to be, I mean, I also agree. I think it's going to be absolutely delightful that we get kind of her point of view in a lot of ways. Uh, And this, this kind of steadfast character who has been in it from the beginning. We have a lot of the other pilots coming in. And if we focused on any of them, this is all brand new to a lot of them. I mean, aside from taking Chase's perspective, perhaps. Uh, but even that would then focus very much in on the Genlock team. So I really like that we're looking at it as no, everyone gets to say, like everyone gets to react and gets to be part of this. When it comes to sci-fi, the the good ones always have an audience avatar character that can 
be the person that everything is explained to. Like when it comes to the Genlock pilots, we're we assume that they have a level of understanding that uh, the other folks don't because they were brought into the program, so they they might know a little bit. the The clip that's shown before that I know is in episode two with the other three pilots coming in. They're also also like, well, what the hell is going on? But it I I think that Miranda as our avatar. What no better character on the series to have as the person that we get to identify with as somebody on the outside looking into this remarkable sci-fi world. And I again, I loved her. I, I echoing y'all's points. I loved her from the first time we saw her in with Julian's family. It's it's wonderful. I, I agree. I, I think it's her emotional journey that we'll be following, or at least that's what I hope. <laughs> I hope that people who are listening support the show by telling their friends about it and subscribing on their podcast service of choice. If you're listening to this on anchor.fm slash the rooster team, you can subscribe on a variety of different audio formats, different like iOS, Google, uh, Stitcher. We're on, we're in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different places. And so we want to thank you for tuning in. Since this is a little bit of a newer venture, we would like to request that you head on over to iTunes or whatever, wherever you listen, leave us a review. That means more people can find us and for the different shows that we're planning to do here on the network uh, it allows more people to join the family and be a part of the show and uh, if you want to help us grow one of the easiest ways to do that is you go to anchor.fm slash the rooster team and you sign up for a financial subscription and that goes directly to us that helps bolster the type of technology we're using and my hope is to one day have a budget that we can use to rent out our own space and uh, return to video. That's the ultimate hope that I have. And if you want to help us realize that hope, head on over to anchor.fm slash the rooster team, leave us reviews on your podcast provider of choice, or go to tpublic.com slash the rooster team, buy a shirt uh, or any sort of a merchandise that we have up there. We're going to be putting a Genlock design up very soon. I'm probably going to drop it with this first episode. So make sure to go check and I'm not going to talk about it just in case I totally forget, but uh, make sure to head on over to tpublic.com slash the rooster team and go to all of the different ways that you can support us because uh, we we're going out on our own with this show and we want to see if everybody wants to listen and we appreciate those who have. Another way that you can support us is by supporting our sponsor. The rooster team is sponsored by Fred's BS, Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is a Los Angeles local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients. Nothing is ever frozen. And Fred provides a Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're an L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off of your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S dot com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Fred's BS. Treat yourself, because you deserve it. Thank you very much. We, we really appreciate 
the the fact that we're just starting out and we already have a wonderful sponsor like Fred is a uh, is a testament to the support that folks can provide independent podcast creators like ourselves. So make sure to check him out and use the Rooster Team and let them know that we sent you. Let's get back to giant robots. What? Uh, speaking of first impressions, I wanted to know. It's hard to not have a particular mindset when it comes to any character voiced by a one Mr. David Tennant, but Stacy, what did you think of Dr. Weller when we first met him? So, oh boy, he is kind of the textbook definition of a mad scientist. I'm very worried (laughs) about him. I'm very wary (laughs) of where his ambition can bring us. And we see it poke through a couple of times. Um, But... (laughs) I don't know. We'll f- I, I'm sure we'll find out about like that later. Uh, but from this episode, he was kind of charming in like a very uh, horrifying way. <laughs> Why do you say horrifying? What's the horrifying part? Just so he's so aloof. He's dealing with this this like unbelievably advanced technology, and he just affects such an aloof manner, which is a lot of fun for us as watchers. But also worrying. I would listen to David Tennant in any capacity. He could be reading the phone book. Uh, (laughs) um, The fact that he gets to voice an animated character with so much personality is, is a pure joy. And I know that other shows have very much leaned into the fact that, you know, he did play Doctor Who. And that's where a lot of... That's where a lot of us know him from was his run as the Doctor, to the point where Dr. Weller's introduction may or may not actually be a reference to a Doctor Who episode, because at one point, David Tennant's Doctor did say, take me to your leader. I've always wanted to say that. I will pop in right now and say that Gray has already addressed that. That line was written well before they casted cast David Tennant. Well, that just makes it even more amazing. Yeah, it's a little creepy. An inadvertent introduction to the Doctor reference, because both times, introduction to a Doctor played by David Tennant. (laughs) I loved him. And also, I am also worried. He, just this introduction, he seemed slightly out of touch with either people or reality. And I'm not quite sure which one that is, because he he just kind of railroads Miranda a little. Like, she starts the introduction, she starts talking, he replies with something that's about 70% on topic, but still makes it clear that he wasn't entirely paying attention. Like, I I wonder if this isn't the type of person who puts his tech above his people, such as they are. Can I, can I interject? Um, I'm going to disagree with that fact. Um, And maybe it's just David Tenor, uh, David Tennant's delivery on on this particular line but there's one line that makes me feel like that's not necessarily the case and it's the way he said how are you and maybe it was meant to be disarming and sort of off-putting in that way but there seemed to be a lot of sincerity in his delivery for that line and yeah he does focus on like the tactical aspect of it like what works and what doesn't but it was just it it seemed like a very sincere how are you like and obviously he knows Julian, as we see at the end of the episode. Um, and um, Yasmin makes a, a comment, oh, oh, I've heard a lot about you. So I'm going off on a limb and assuming that Julian has talked about her a lot to these two people. That's, that's an assumption. I, that's, that's my guess. 
Um, that, but like, so him reaching out and saying like, how are you to me is more like, this is a, he knows a lot about her just based off, off of that assumption. If that's true, he knows a lot about her and was genuinely inquiring about her well-being. Yeah, Megan, I was with you. That's what I was going to bring to the table. And even further, the fact that it was right in front of the memorial. It was right before Yas- we catch Yasmin looking right at Julian's portrait. And watching this a second time, you you think, oh, somebody who's just coming into this program, they've probably heard about some of the top pilots. But then knowing Julian's involvement in everything, Yasmin's line, especially of, oh, I've heard a lot about you, is is a it's a clue it's a hint that that julian may not be gone and i i I agree with you but also playing devil's advocate to katie's thoughts in that what if this was an emotional test so to speak like yes there is a legitimate concern of wondering how miranda is doing but if she'll take the the fact that he doesn't go no 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 i'm i'm talking to you about your loss but the fact that he just carries on his conversation and it's kind of just an emotional test of where she's at at the moment and why he didn't follow through with, well, specifically, I'm talking about this person because we're um, automatically whisked away into the situation room. But Dr. Weller, I think that there is a possibility there, but I don't I don't think so. I think ultimately he has altruistic intentions. We may find out that he had a, a, sh- a shady past, maybe the reason why... It's similarly going back, referencing previous wars, maybe he was a Union scientist that escaped and joined the Vanguard or something. I, but I'm sure we'll f- we'll find out more about him. Soft pitch here. What if he's the scientist that designed the nanotech? Ooh! Ooh! I love it. Uh, that's a solid oof there. Oof. <laughs> let's, let's get back into Roblox and hit that oof button. But... how dare you i'm sorry i love it i love it so much and this is him trying to make up for it because maybe he designed this nanotech to be a force for good to help with medicine to help with whatever and then someone at the union took his designs and went we could use this to murder the hell out of people we could have our own localized directed thanos snap let's do it hey doc thanks for Thanks for making this these murder this murder dust. We really appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I think that's a very solid theory, Megan. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You, You've heard us can all. You, Thank you. Do, well, well, if, I I humbly ask Megan really quick. Could you stop? <laughs> <laughs> no. Just like, just like real, real, real quick. Could we? Could we just chill? Um, <laughs> no, this train has no brakes. I'm sorry. It was a 100 percent ma- maximum no chill moment, and I'm really sorry. You've you've dared to dare, and you dared right over the line. I flew too close to the sun. Careful, Icarus. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk a little bit about Operation Coyote because it brings the Union's wants and desires into question. Here now, this. When it comes to somebody leading a counter initiative of some sort like the union has been doing, this one where people are actively trying to leave me getting into the minds of villains here, this actively, this felt like it made more sense than shooting down 
planes or transports of civilians trying to fly away from a war zone. So this seemed to make a little bit more sense, but uh, this also had, um, and I want to know what everybody else's thoughts about this. I, and I, I feel bad because I forgot to look up his name. Does anybody remember Chad's character's name? Sadly, no. I know him as Chad. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is he sounds so close to Chad. Or So Boomstick, when, when it came to <laughs> Boomstick operating his Strider, the, he, he did something that seemed very amateur if 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 i could say so they they presented a situation where we had two spider tanks and three pilots and chad took the opportunity to be like i'm going to rush in and take away our our superior attack position and instantly paid for it instantly <laughs> was put into harm's way and it seemed like this by by the way that all the other characters were reacting that this wasn't the first time something like this had happened so it makes me wonder how has he not died yet <laughs> from because he's up? stupid lucky yeah he's the true lucky one now when we get miranda's uh yolo moment where she literally literally yolos uh, is when we get to see our our genlock bots for the first time uh who who do you think was the more standout of Yasmin versus Julian? Uh, Katie, who, who did you like the best out of the two? I have to say Julian was definitely flashier, and that's partially because I'm honestly just drawn to blue. But he's the first one we saw. We saw him come sweeping in. Both of them were incredibly impressive, but just coming sweeping in like that, dominating a tank and shooting it till it dies is... A little more, it's it's flashier than wrestling a spider tank into the perfect position and then bailing. It's two very, very different fighting styles, and one of them lends itself more to theatrics, and the other one lends itself more to, like, we don't know what Yasmin's past is yet. We know that the advertising around her has been like, oh, she's a character with a past with a capital P, I would not be surprised if she had done spy work because this is the fighting style of someone who is very used to setting things up and letting bigger, more forceful hitters knock them down. Like she had that spider tank in the exact right position and then was able to move out of the way the split second before the rockets hit. This is someone who has practice, who has intelligence, and who is accustomed to fighting bigger, meaner opponents than hers. So yeah, Julian was flashier, but dang, I think I liked Yasmin more. It, it seemed like Julian was straight up a soldier and a giant it was doing everything according to protocol. And it looked, it looked super one-to-one. It felt like there was, like it was a person more so than it was a robot. It was crazy. Uh, Stacy, who was your favorite in this fight? You know, on first watch, it was really hard to beat how badass Julian's entrance was. I think it was, it was extremely showy. It was really exciting. And that was one of those moments where like, that was one of those moments where I was truly impressed again, as I had been several times through the episode. However, the finesse that Yasmin showed in her fight, I think I came off more impressed with, you know, after multiple watches. And I think that that technique that she showed is just really interesting to watch and to see it play out and to see the teamwork factor really come into play. 
I'm excited to see more teamwork once we get all of our bots in there. Well, what about you, Megan? I do want to point out, first of all, I'm pretty sure that Chad is still alive specifically because of Miranda. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Fair. Fair. Um, that's, my, that's my going theory. Um, but as far as the, the two mech introductions, I'm going to be honest. I was more uh, impressed by Yasmin, not necessarily because I find her mech more impressive than Julian's. I, I kind of have to side with Katie on that one. I will always prefer blue. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite colors. But the, it, for me, it was the, the fluidity of Yasmin's mech's movement. Uh, I really loved watching her mech move. And, like, I, I just remember seeing it and going, like, being immediately impressed. And I, I, like, I'm more drawn to how that particular machine moves and interacts with its combatants. I just, I, I'm really drawn to that. And I, I, I can't wait to see her in more hand-to-hand combat. Julian is a big damn hero, and Yasmin reminds me a lot of uh, Ziva David from NCIS. She sounds like somebody that they could, and I know we've gotten some pre-release content about her past, but she seems like somebody that they would probably find in an underground fighting ring as opposed to having a military background. But that's that's not any sort of a negative indicator on her part because that's badass. And when it came to who I, I felt was sort of more captivating. It was everything coming together about Julian. It was the reference to the song. It was him. It was the, the salute. It was everything and wondering what the hell is going on. We saw something go down. We saw everything. And the fact that Julian wasn't with Yasmin and Dr. Weller as they were walking through and he wasn't there again afterwards so it was more of the the questions spurning from how are we making this work with julian to which we find out with some it is indicated that julian is broadcasting in similarly to what was set up at the beginning of the episode and he is somewhere else or something and that was something that i didn't realize until just before we went up to to record the show i uh i I rewatched the end of the intro and we saw the flash a bit and that's when i saw essentially julian's on life support seemingly he's hooked up to to something and he's broadcasting his full physical form somewhere is the idea that i'm getting from it and i'm sure it is 100 talked about in episode two which we will talk about in episode two but we leave today's we leave this episode with what did i miss from julian as a very wonderful character moment of miranda figuring of realizing something's going on and the cam the the shot dips to black but we're left on two spotlights with Miranda and Julian before we hit our intro. Holy crap. What a way to to end the first episode, Megan. Where how did how did this leave you in the split second from this moment to the intro? Uh, like I said, there there was a there was a short time in this episode where I was like, uh, did they pull a scream on me? <laughs> so, uh, seeing Julian come back in the fight was was a huge relief. I was like, okay, like, I knew that, like, there was promotional material with him in it that we hadn't seen yet, but I was still like, ah, I'm not sure. So, so getting him to come back in the fight, like, I breathed a sigh of relief because I was, I was really excited to see Michael B. Jordan in this, 
um, series. I do want to point out, Mark, um, a, a cool little detail that I, I noticed at the top of the episode was when Julian, uh, at, at the very beginning, is being, you know, when he's a hologram, essentially, when he's uh, essentially hollow FaceTiming with his family, um, his eyes are blue. And once that scene is over and he takes off the headgear, you see that his eyes are actually hazel. So I was like, oh, that's a cool indicator of like when he's at, when you're actually like looking at a hologram. I don't think it's the same for everyone, but it's what it's an, in, it's a visual indicator for him of when he's a hologram. And so that makes, you know, looking at the end of this episode and seeing you know, him projected into the room, it makes me go, how much of the promotional material do I need to go back over to see when his eyes are blue? <laughs> it makes me want to go back through every single trailer and go, wait, wait, there, zoom and enhance. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I, I like, it's a very, it was a very unsettling image that, you know, once the the ending of the intro flickers and you get that quick glimpse of him, it's a very unsettling image to leave off at the end of the intro. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, like, him coming back into the room and then going into the intro, it it felt so cool. And it, w- it was very difficult to, like, step away from the computer and have to wait for the next episode after that because all I wanted to do was find out more and to... Uh, figure out what what happened why why is he alive and we waited for about 24 hours between watching that one and watching the oh, next one that's nothing mark still hasn't seen the next one yeah come yeah, on Mark. yeah that's me hey hey i i uh fulfilled a, a lifelong dream this weekend so i'm good i can wait for a cartoon for a couple for a couple of extra hours but i'll i'll probably finish editing this episode and then watch it but um katie this transition this this end what did you think this was definitely a good reason to have the opening at the end for this first episode that was (laughs) i'm pretty sure i yelled something after just hey what did i miss because i'm sitting here for one thinking hamilton and for another just going oh my god it's been four years and you led with that oh honey no read the room so i loved it I think it was great. I think it was very much in line for what we've seen of his character. In line with Megan's point, I think we also saw some color change for Miranda's eyes when she was a projection in that meeting the parent scene. But we did, I don't and think with her was... and Driana as well. Yeah, I just I don't think it was as striking as the blue versus the hazel, and also the showing that flash of showing him on the life support that is extremely anime opening it's like oh we're ending on our protagonist but something's wrong but we're back and here's the group shot my knee-jerk reaction watching that was he's in a tube somewhere he's a tube boy uh stacy what did you think about the return of our tube boy so well all right so the first off the contrast between him making a really poorly timed joke and then that extremely powerful fade out with he and miranda was such a great contrast and it gives me a lot of hope that we are actually going to get a very big focus on their relationship and the dynamics now uh we got a very small taste of what their relationship was like at the beginning of the episode and now with four years between them and all of this to continue to watch that unfold i think it's going to be 
really interesting. Especially since, yeah, it looks like something is really wrong with Chase when he is not a projection. I like how by the end of this episode, everybody is sort of collectively sharing the idea of how could you do that to her ultimately? And and we know that, that Chase isn't very tactful when it comes to what to say sometimes. So this seems, this is classic him. But um, was there anything that anybody else wanted to dive into before we say goodbye for the night i wanted to talk a little bit about uh, back to the the unions making their move scene where we saw these civilians and one of them waved away the union soldiers and showed a little emblem on either his wallet or his phone so we've had union either members or sympathizers in this neutral district for goodness knows how long And on one hand, that saved the lives of him and his family. On the other hand, the look his wife gave him when he pulled that symbol out. It reminded me of, uh, man, this I, I forget which election this was for because years are a thing. But somebody named their newborn daughter, um, John McCain, Sarah Palin. Or something like that. Like he scribbled it on the birth certificate without telling his wife. Oh my god! Uh, oh my and it's it's just man. Some some most most men don't know what the hell they're talking about. And this was one of those cases where you see instantly. Yes, he saved his family's life in the short run, but what does that mean in the long run? And I don't think we'll see ever see those people again. But I wonder if we. But I kind of hope that we do, and we see his family on the with the vanguard or with the the united states and he's just despondent on the union side i'd love to see his wife and kid come through the underground railroad actually we should go back and see if they were there that would be satisfying quick little reference in in return um yeah fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) i mean i can see why he did at least in terms of showing his colors to save his family's life i get that move Joining the union in the first place? Let me give you some patented Nicolas Cage side-eye here. Because, uh, no, dude, no. Yeah, from what we know, that does not seem to be the right decision. <laughs> His wife thought that. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if we're ever going to see that, that baby again. Um, like, if a couple episodes down the line, you know, there'll be a five-year-old kid who uh, a pilot is like, oh, yeah, you know, this is whatever their name <laughs> this is benny. like this is this is uh yeah benny <laughs> this is benny uh the a baby i adopted uh at, you know when we were evacuating new york <laughs> they are my son now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i some sort of follow up with the citizens rising up against the union but we still need to learn what the union is about if they're capable of attacks like this and this guy can just sort of flash a symbol and first of all, be protected from the nanobot attack. And but then also how how easy is it to change affiliation? How how did the union look at this guy and go, oh, and not like there was something about the symbol, there's something in there that they could instantly tag and be like, nah, you're cool. It's more it's more tech questions, and I can't wait for us to get any sort of an answer. But we will get those answers on a future episode. So before we go, before we lock down this gen lockdown, let's 
uh, go one more time around the show and uh, tell people where they can follow you or, or what you're working on. Let's start with Megan. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. You can follow that on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost Pod. Katie? I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias and on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos, we're doing reactions on that YouTube channel. I am also on a podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch podcast with a heavy focus on Overwatch League. And I do unboxing videos for fanversation.com. Stacey. You can find me all over the web at Stacey's Shuttles, also over at Twitch at InventoryFullPT. I've also broken out the pliers lately, and I've been making more some more jewelry for nerds making stuff. That'll be up online soon, too. And yeah, I, I just did the final, what what I'm calling the last Spider-Man stream ever, because uh, I, I streamed Spider-Man over on Inventory Full PT, because no one's going to be playing any game other than Kingdom Hearts 3, which I think uh, all of us at the table at some time soon will have our, uh, our knees deep into that game. So uh, make sure to stay tuned on all of our social medias. Mine is Mark Bidonica. The teams is twitter.com slash the rooster team. I mentioned the T public. Uh, if you liked what you hear, make sure to subscribe. We're also on discord. You can find that link down below. We have a big fan community that uh, keep it all hours of the day. We're talking about, uh, the, the let's play stuff we're talking about live action we're talking about all of the animated stuff that we usually do and please stay tuned here for more shows about the stuff that we love to talk about the stuff that you know that we talk about it's all going to be living here so make sure to follow along on that but with that this is the rooster team from operation gen lockdown signing off <laughs>